The Good, the Bad, and the Proletariat, written by Ian Smith. Chapter 1. The dry midday desert sun scorches the small town of Pequeño Pueblo, as it had done the day before, and the day before that, and every day, except that one almost two years back in an event no one can quite describe. Twenty-three miles from our nearest town, Pequeño Pueblo, or Pipi, as it came to be known across Nevada, enjoyed its solitude in its early years as the westward expansion expanded on westward, leaving it to flourish as one of the country's premier revolutionary war reenactment towns. But as interest in the war dried up, along with 90% of the town's water supply, the town had to endure the painful sight of seeing their once great home turned into the shriveled, limp peepee that could never quite stand direct again. Low crop yields and no waterway for the Delaware River weren't the only problems they'd come to face in these hard times. Masculine Cassidy's wild and wacky bunch, a group of misfit outlaws led by the notorious Masculine Cassidy, grabbed hold of the exposed peepee with a tight grip and tugged, not relenting until what they wanted came squirting out all over their tired, sweaty faces, metaphorically speaking. With no other option than to give in to the gang's demands, the people of Pequeño Pueblo lived each day in fear, hoping the morning sun wouldn't bring with it a hearty heaping of troubles. This... It was not one of those days. No one ever stops me from doing it. I'm just flat over my mouth. Listen up! Y'all are awfully late on that there particular. A hawk circling overhead crashes into the dirt road just in front of the three bandits' horses, inspired to do so by the bullet now lodged in its neck. The town quietly gathers around the bandits despite this savant-garde display. Y'all are awfully late on that there protection money you owe. Now, as much as me and my two accomplices here like reliving the exhilarating history of the Revolutionary War, I'm starting to get awful tired of having to come collect what you owe. What are we supposed to do, Sundance? We have no way of getting you the money unless you come here and get it. We don't know where secret hideout is. All we can do is wait for you to show up and... <laughs> All I'm hearing now is excuses. And excuses are like a baby in a barrel full of rattlesnakes. I don't like it even if the whole situation's entirely my fault. Look, we don't have all the money together. We've been really struggling. If you could just give us a break, it'd really mean... Maybe y'all are forgetting who you're talking to. I'm the Sundance Kid of the Wild and Wacky Bunch. <laughs> giggle. Now... We've been offering y'all protection for a long time, keeping y'all safe from that big, scary world out there. Now, don't rightly know what would happen if we decided we wasn't going to do that no more. Ain't that right, Kane's kid? Sure is. And wouldn't you agree, Tribeca kid? Rightly would. We can give you three what we have, but you're asking too much. We just can't afford it. What you can't afford, Mr. Nathan, is knowing what'll happen if we're not here to protect you lot. You're already not here. That's the point. You disappear for days until you come asking for money. Hey! Demanding. Okay, we don't ask for money like some sort of handout. We have our dignity. Just over the horizon, 
the silhouette of a man bops up and down under the gentle shade of a large oak tree. The lone figure approaches on horseback along the sole road to town, squinting towards the large group gathered around the rounded glasses he pushes up to the bridge of his nose. Huh, uh, what's going on up there? The man in the saddle, Michael King, twirls an end of his mustache to a point in his fingers, a nervous tick he'd adopted during his Harvard days. He'd hoped to make a quick stop for supplies, maybe have a sketch taken with a red coat or two, before continuing on back to his family in California, where he put his medical degree to use, stomping grapes in his father's vineyard. But now Michael feared this hullabaloo, a word he detested with all of his soul, may prove to be what he'd heard the northerners refer to as a nun in the spokes. Michael gets off his horse and makes his way to the rear of the crowd, still a bustle from all the excitement. Don't you lecture me on the plight of the proletariat, Roger. I'm well-versed in my Marxisms. Excuse me. Michael tugs on the back of the man's shirt, but is ignored. He pushes his way through the enraptured crowd to find someone to talk to. Listen, Sundance, until you're open the dialectical perspective of the socio-economical phenomenon that's engulfed our society. Excuse me? A woman pulls her arm away from Michael's grasp. Is there a general store somewhere? Hi, shut up. We ain't never gonna have the progress and reform we need to thrive. Michael grows frustrated with the town's churlishness. Is that so? You think you can just own your own means of production and profit fairly from your labor, is that it? Who's gonna keep you safe then? You think someone's just gonna waltz on in him be your savior just like that? Excuse me. The crowd grows quiet as every non-lazy eye focuses its gaze on Michael. Now mere feet from the three bandits, dirty hands now resting on their pistols. Thank you. Now, can anyone tell me where the general store is? I just need some supplies. The town is in utter disbelief. No one had ever stood up to the wild and wacky bunch and changed the subject before. Ebony Smith, the blacksmith, slowly lifts his arm to point down the street, mouth dropped like a hangman's trapdoor. Michael, reciprocating the confused stares he receives, nods a quick thanks to Ebony and returns to his horse. The crowd turns with Michael as he trots down the road, glancing over his shoulder occasionally at the flabbergasted town and the death stare of the bandits. What is happening? The horse's footsteps echo through the static town before Michael brings his nag to a stop. Just below the words Ma and Pa's general store, with the freshly painted X over Pa, he tries the door, but finds it locked. With a heavy sigh, Michael turns back to the crowd, still watching him. What? Uh, can can some? Who owns this? Uh, can someone uh, come open the door so I can buy things? What is going on today? Sundance carefully lowers the hammer of his pistol, still in its holster. I see. I see how y'all are thinking. Y'all want to play games, that it? 
Y'all think this is gonna protect you lot so you can keep your money for yourself? Am I getting that so? Maybe we do. The town realizes now that maybe this stranger, who just happened to mysteriously appear when they needed him the most, what is wrong with you people? Might be the hero they've been waiting for. We don't need you anymore, Sundance Kid. Go tell Masculine Cassidy that he's not getting another cent from us. Not gonna be pushed around by you lot no more. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, I will. Come on, Kane's kid, Tribeca kid, let's go tail on him. Come on, guys, let's go. Yep, yep, yep. The three bandits ride full speed out of town, right past the map. Yep, hey, yep, watch it. Towards Rock Bottom Peak to the north, a narrow, winding corridor said to be haunted by angry spirits in the form of live bears. The bandits' dust trails dissipate as does the crowd with their new sense of freedom and security. An older woman shuffles her way up to the storefront, sifting through a canvas bag of skeleton keys. Are you Ma? What's that, dearie? I said, are you Ma? What? I said, are you Ma? Found it. Ma pulls the key to the door. She steps past Michael to unlock it, releasing a wave of musk. <coughs> now, now, what's that you said? I said, are you Ma? Oh, oh dear, I knew this day would come. You're the baby I forgot at the train station. What? No, I... I said I was sorry. I was young. It wasn't my fault. I had the best intentions. You've got to believe me. N no, uh, I'm asking if you're Ma, the one on the sign, Ma and Pa. Oh, oh the sign. Oh, yes. Well, there's no Pa anymore. It's just Ma and now. Come in, dear. Come in. Ma and looked to Michael like every general store he'd stopped at on his way home from Massachusetts. Wall of goods behind a wooden counter, an understandable lack of bats and reptiles. Even the bell had the same pitch. Michael began to wonder about the ins and outs of the bell industry in America. Did all the bells still come from Europe? So, what happened to Pa, if you don't mind me asking? Oh, he died a few weeks back. Oh, uh, my condolences. I'm not dead. An elderly man in a rocking chair in the corner barks at Ma from under his blanket. Yeah, well, you're dead to me! You're just hysterical! Ma waves off Pa's accusations and goes behind the counter. Um, so, uh, I just need some flour and ground coffee for... Barry, it's rude to interrupt people. Now, what is it you're looking for? The musk becomes unbearable for Michael. Flour and coffee. Ma turns around and grabs the retriever pole leaning against the wall. She reaches up to hook a 60-pound bag of flour from the top shelf. Do you need help with that? Oh, no, I'm fine. Ma hooks the handle and slowly pulls the bag from its shelf. Are you sure it's heavy? Dearie, I said I'm fine. Please, let me help. The bag slides off the shelf and falls straight onto Ma's head. Oh. oh my god, are you okay? Oh, I'm fine. 
plain dairy happens to the best of us. Ma stands up and dabs at the gash in her head with a dirty rag, her neck now tilted at an odd angle. She grabs the retriever pole again from the floor and eyes the sack of ground coffee wrapped in barbed wire, also on the top shelf. Uh, no, 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 uh, l- let me grab that one. No customers behind the counter. Ma slides with her foot a flimsy wooden crate to the base of the shelves to stand on. She struggles to find her balance, wobbling like a house in molasses as she grapples with the coffee. Seriously, you're going to get hurt? I'll grab it. Ah, if he comes by this counter, you shoot him dead. Pa's six-shooter peeks from beneath the blanket. You stay right where you are, boy. No customers behind that counter now. Ma's arms shake with the weight of the coffee on the end of the pole as she jerks it back and forth to wiggle the bag free. Almost there. It's the barbed wire that's causing the trouble. <laughs> hey, uh, you know what? Um, that's fine. I'm, uh, I'm good with just flour. Are you sure? I'm almost got it. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, c- come on down. <laughs> come on down. All right. Careful. I know how to do it. Fine. Uh, so how much do I owe you? Oh, me. It's on the house, dearie. On the house? Why is it on the house? Anything for you after what you did out there. Standing up for those bandits like that. After all these years of them terrorizing us. What are you talking about? I didn't stand up to anyone. None of us were brave enough to do what you did. It's the least I could do. Ma tries to slide the bag of flour across the counter to Michael, but it's too heavy. You've earned it. Michael throws the bag over his shoulder, (coughs) unable to shake the bad feeling he was getting from the townspeople. Even through the window, Michael could still see the people staring and pointing at him, overcome by giddiness. He twirls his mustache with his free hand. All right, well, um... Thank you for your kindness. I uh, best be heading out. Well, I'll be seeing you tonight, won't I, dearie? <sighs> no. F- for the festival. You have to be there. It's in your honor. Wait, what? What festival? Michael pushes his glasses up his nose again and adjusts the bag on his shoulder. Why, the Heroes Day Festival. To celebrate what you did today. We talked all about it after the bandits left. There's going to be music and food and and square dancing and all kinds of shapes. Pa, what other shapes are they going to have? Pa, tell them about the shapes. Pa! Pa's bullet embeds into the shelf just above Ma's head. That was a close one. The coffee bag dislodges itself from the shelf and falls straight onto Ma. Barbs tearing into her frail skin like a gopher digging in for winter. What did you do to my wife? Pa throws off his blanket and rushes to his wife's side, his naked, oiled-up, muscular body blinding Michael with its glisten. He cradles Ma as her eyes struggle to meet his. Look what you gone did! Making her move that bag ever so slightly. This is your fault. Oh, your fault. Get out, varmint. I said get. 
Michael throws the door open, only to be confronted with the town hard at work, setting up wooden stages, stringing lights, and inflating a bounce house sewn together with what could only be described as jeans. I am. I'm outside. You just you just broke your own window. She took you off the sign. A banner across the street reading Heroes Day Festival is hoisted up over the heads of the children's choir, prepping to rehearse on the steps of the church. Now, now, children, save your voices. We have a hero to praise later. Mouth your words. That's it. No, Oliver, you can't go to the outhouse again. You'll rub that sphincter raw. Because, Samantha, the man who came in town today is a man to be idolized, and we must do our part as a community. But isn't idolatry a sin? That may be, but... Hey, wait just a minute now. You're not a child. You're just a relatively short man. Uh, I'm 5'5". Five five. You're an abomination. Get out of here. Go on now. Michael throws his sack of flour over his horse's back and makes his way over to the church, ducking under a long board carried through the street with a duck on top, hammering away. Not helping in any meaningful way, but doing his part nonetheless. Now, Alvin, did you bring enough gum for the rest of the choir? Well, then you'll just have to share that piece you're chewing, won't you? Go on, kids, grab your fair share. Excuse me, miss? Yes? Oh, why, you're that brave, handsome man from earlier. What was your name again? Michael. He said his name was Michael! Sylvia shouts to the group nearby, painting signs that say, Thank you, Brad. A pleasure, Michael. I'm Sylvia, the children's choir director. Uh, great. Hi. Uh, so, what is happening? Uh, this, this doesn't make sense. Uh, why is there a festival for me? Why, because of how you stood up for us to the wild and wacky bunch. Children, no giggling. Uh, but I didn't do anything. Well, sure you did. As sure as a treaty with the natives. We all saw it, didn't we, kids? So heroic. I just wish I could find a man like you. Well, maybe I have. Uh, nope. Uh, but uh, how is this all getting uh, put together like this? That was all a few minutes ago. After we decided we were going to honor you for your courage and maybe even elect you sheriff, our council-appointed leader dictated what jobs everyone needed to do and we just up and got to work. <laughs> Seems only sensible way to run a government, if you ask me. Well, I, uh... I don't know about that, but... Are you not versed in your Marxisms? Look, I, I don't, uh, I don't know what's happening here. I think I just saw somebody die. Oh, I'm sure it was a sacrifice for the good of the motherland. Now, if you don't mind, Michael, I need to get these children ready for our show tonight. I look forward to seeing you there. And maybe afterwards, if it's not too forward of me. <laughs> Oh, now, now, Daniel, you get down from there right this instant. You'll hurt yourself. Daniel? Daniel! Daniel! Someone call a doctor! Michael was more puzzled than ever. He cleans the dust off his glasses as he walks down an uneven street. 
The town seems transformed, humming with activity and happiness, all seemingly because of his arrival. He knows he'd feel guilty if he left now, despite the impulse to do so. He grabs his mustache in his fingertips, watching four men raise a bronzed statue of himself, somehow made with extreme detail, even under the clothes. Michael, is it? What's that? Come on, you're late for your fitting. Uh, what fitting? What else is there to clarify? Let's go. The seamstress shoves Michael along back to her shop to fit him for his ceremonial robes, just as the Sundance Kid, Cans Kid, and Tribeca Kid reach their banded hideout. A cave of tents and shacks, fortified with log walls and natural rock in the middle of Rock Bottom Peak. Masculine Cassidy hears the return and goes outside to meet his crew. Sundance, my number two, my second in command, my deputé, my personal aide, my most trusted companion, the man who was almost equal in power and responsibility as I am, the guy who was almost exactly like me within our hierarchy of the wild and wacky bunch, the wild and wacky bunch, but still answers to me because I initiated Creighton in this here group. My friend. Did you get the money? Nope. You bastard. You mean nothing. Uh, hey, hey, it wasn't my fault. They got themselves someone who fancies himself a hero opposing ourselves all by themselves, and now ourselves ain't getting no money for ourselves from themselves. Oh, is that so? Said it themselves, didn't they? Sure did. Rightly were. That's disgusting. We live here. Can you not spit on the ground like that? Sure will. Won't happen again. Ugh. All right. Well, we have a town who won't give us our protection money because of a man who thinks he can keep him protected. So, how do we make them want to pay us for protection again? We show them he can't protect them. Very good, Toronto International Kid. Very good. We show them this man can't replace us. And how do we do that? By taking something of theirs. Excellent, Sundance. We take something of theirs. This town, they'll no doubt throw this man a festival of sorts, utilizing organized labor through a central decision maker as any good government would do. Absolutely, yes. The way of the law. We'll go back tonight during the festivities while everyone's distracted. And we'll kidnap someone, take him back here, and draw out this hero. Once we kill him, Kenyo Pueblo will have no choice but to come crawling back to us. Who are you thinking of kidnapping? Oh, don't say Sylvia. What's wrong with Sylvia? What's wrong? You're practically stalking her. You've been obsessed with her ever since we started extorting that town. Is that, is that why we do it? Is that why we've never moved on from here? You just want her to notice you, is that it? It has nothing to do with that. We need to kidnap someone, why not her? That's all I'm saying. It's a trope, that's it. You've never even talked to her. What do you think is going to happen? You're just going to kidnap her and then she'll see how great of a guy you are? It's called Stockholm Syndrome and it's a real thing. I've never even heard of Sweden. Do you call yourself masculine, Cassidy, so she'll think you're some macho guy or something? It's a nickname from college. 
Let's gear up and wait for nightfall. Come on out here, Austin kid. Sydney kid, Venice kid, Berlin International kid, BFI London kid, Ann Arbor kid, Slam Dance kid. Don't think I forgot about you back there, Edinburgh International kid. Yeah, yeah. Cinequest kid, Rain Dance kid. Hey, where's AFI presented by Audi kid? He's in the outhouse. It seems like AFI is always pushing out crap. The rest of you gear up. We'll take to the town at dusk when they least expect it and kidnap my future wife. (laughs) (laughs) The wild and wacky bunch repeated their chant, preparing their weapons and horses for the raid. It had been too long since they've flexed their muscle, and Pequeño Pueblo was starting to forget their place. There was no way the town could band together and stand up to tyranny, and this hero of theirs was no match for their swift power. Or so the bandits thought. End chapter one. Are you over 40 and suffer from irritable bowel syndrome? Do you get diarrhea on a regular basis? Are you finding yourself on the toilet all hours of the day and night, pushing and clenching those squirty brown poops out? Do strangers in public restrooms laugh at the disgusting noises you make when you get your silly squirts? Has your stinky juice ever ruined a wedding engagement or Hasidic christening? Have you ever stuffed toilet paper in your butt crack just in case? That's disgusting. That's absolutely disgusting. That is not normal behavior. You need to go see a doctor. That's not how fecal matter is supposed to be. Your shit's supposed to be firm and solid. Solid loaves. Solid. Like the foundation of a building. And that's why we at Tamita's Concrete Foundation are dedicated to providing the professional, solid concrete foundation your building a home deserves. Basements, patios, Joe Burris magic tricks, If there's concrete, we've got you covered. I'm Miles Tamitas, telling you to go to a doctor and give us a call for all your concrete needs. Search us online for the phone number. I don't, uh, I don't have it in front of me. Uh, hey mom, can I go to Trevor's house? Not until you brush your teeth, stepson, and stop calling me mom. Oh, but we're out of toothpaste. No, we're not. Whoa, what is it? What is it? Toothpaste, we were just talking about this. How do you not figure that out? That's right, we are proud to present our new line of children's flavors from Leg and Sickle Toothpaste, the only toothpaste made with real horse teeth. Imitation horse teeth pastes don't pass the taste test, and with our new bubblegum and no-no juice flavored teeth pastes, your kids will love teeth paste time just as much as you. Leg and Sickle Teeth Paste is great for toast, eggs, ribs, Souffles, rusty hinges, beige hats, well. inconsolable lawyers. <laughs> Pop culture trivia games, a Caribbean cruise, Tom Cruise, <laughs> Box of Screws. 
deliver bad news. Here. Covering a bruise. Oh. Stop an old man snooze. Huh? Meet Howard Hughes. Why? Illegally watch Blue's Clues. <laughs> and anything else you choose. What have you got to lose? Leg and sickle toothpaste. Available in stores near use. Wow. Thanks, Mom. Step Mom. I am not your mom. I don't want to be your mom. I hate you. Well, I hate you too. I didn't ask for you to be in my family either. Leg and sickle toothpaste. Inanimate or your money back. Chapter 2 The sun had set over Pequeño Pueblo shortly after sunset, and the town's festivities got underway. Michael was led through the streets on a golden throne, still wearing his traveling clothes after an unsuccessful and cut-short fitting Michael attested to later had to do with something he smelt but not dealt, although other accounts differ. He had been given an honorary head start on the pie-eating contest, a key to the town, and every lock and chastity belt in it, and was now listening to the ninth speech given in his honor that night in the town square. And so, because of your great courage on this great day, I would like to tell you, you'll always have a place in my heart and a place in my bed. Oh, God. Anytime, I will be the little spoon to your big spoon, day or night. All right, Roger, that's enough now. What can I say? I'm a cuddler. Why would someone want a spoon during the day? Well, I think three hours of speeches is good for now. Maybe, Sylvia, it'd be a good time to bring that children's choir out here before it gets too late, and we can all hear their sweet little voices before bed. Any time's a good time for these little angels' voices. Come on, kids, get on stage. That's it, line up by vocal range. You know where you are. Matthew, you're not a tenor. Get over there with the baritones. All right, children. A one, two, a one, two, three, four. That's it. Find the rhythm. Heads turn at the sound of the gunshot, echoing out from the north. A dozen masked riders with torches descend on the town from the hill, hollering, setting fire to houses and shops, and shooting down party balloons, like they were Gina Ashwood and the balloons were me asking her to prom. It's the wild and wacky bunch! The wild and wacky bunch stampede through the mass of scattering townspeople, clamoring to safety with no regard for etiquette. Michael, our savior, you've got to do something. What do you want me to do? Save us like you did before. I didn't do anything. So do that again. He's coming up with a plan, Jenny. Stay right where you are and and we'll all be safe. (laughs) A masked bandit grabs Sylvia as he rides past the stage, throwing her over his saddle. Sylvia! They got Sylvia! Who's gonna take the kids to regionals? With that, the bandits circle up and ride out of town with Sylvia howling and fighting all the while. You put me down, you yellow belly! 
the fires from the bandits' torches slowly spread down the rows of houses and shops lining the streets, flames licking away at the timber like a cat's tongue licking a two-toed bullfrog on the wagon wheel during a thunderstorm. If it were ever so inclined. What do we do? How do we put this out? Get water. Throw water on it. What are you people doing? We don't have enough water. Our well's drier than my grandmother's nether crevice. Then how do you people put out fires? We don't get a lot of fires around these parts, mister. But from my birthday last week, I wheezed my candles out. I do the same every year. As do I. Why would you wheeze them out instead of blowing them out? It's simple chemistry, Michael. I wheeze out carbon dioxide onto the candle to cut off the oxygen to the flame. Without oxygen, it'll suffocate and die like my family's goat when I was 12. Blowing on a candle just gives it more oxygen. Reckless buffoonery, if you ask me. You all do this? It's simple chemistry, Michael. Fine, then then do that. Four buildings have burned down since we started talking about this. Everybody, wheeze on the fire. <laughs> the Pequeño Puebloans huffed and puffed with all their might. And with simple chemistry, wheezed out the bandit's fire and saved the town. You did it again, Michael. You saved us again. What do you mean? He's still a hero. He drove the bandits out with his inaction just like before and then brought us together to save our homes. He's shown us the power of collectivism. This is what can happen when workers of the world unite. And he will lead us there. Oh, come on, you guys keep exaggerating. I say we do it. Nice. As council-appointed leader, I say we hold a vote to elect Michael R. Sheriff. Seems only right. We need to send someone out there to save Sylvia. And seeing as how they're practically engaged... What? We're, we're not engaged. We've talked once. She's taking a fancy to you, Michael. And a true gentleman changes his entire life to the whims of a lady. Hold on a minute. I don't even want to be sheriff. What modesty. He's got my vote. Hear ye, hear ye. Call to order. All those in favor to elect Michael our new sheriff, say aye. Aye. Those opposed? Nay. The eyes have it. Michael is our new sheriff. And take that man to the gulags. The lone naysayer was relocated away from the commune for re-education purposes through hard menial labor. As the crowd showed their approval for the new sheriff, Michael was slapped with a badge, pistol, and hand to make the election official. But I don't want to be sheriff. Save Sylvia and maybe we'll let you go. Really? Only one way to find out. Well done, Sheriff. It was a close election, but you pulled through. Now, you may have heard my voice around here from time to time, but you didn't know what my character's name was. Who the hell talks like that? That's exactly what I'm getting to. Name's Roger. I'm the Sheriff's deputy around here. So does that mean you're coming with me to save Sylvia? (laughs) Well, it do. But we got a whole heap of cases backed up we gotta get to first. Are you kidding me? The entire reason I'm sheriff is to save her. So I just want to get that over with so I can leave. Now, 
Michael, we can't put one comrade's worth over another. We got a few things on the docket for tonight. We got to do an order. So we'll just see how many we can get through. Why weren't you working on this stuff before? Because I'm the sheriff's deputy. No sheriff means no work. Now, first up, we got a Mrs. Maverick stuck up in a tree. Let's see if we can go on and get her down. Roger signals his and Michael's horse to come with a whistle. Relieved his hours of training Michael's horse that day actually paid off. As the newly elected sheriff followed his deputy through the streets of Pequeño Pueblo, Masculine Cassidy and his ruthless gang returned to their hideout in the depths of Rock Bottom Peak. All right, man. Good work. I'm sure they learned a lesson they won't soon forget. Hit the showers. I'll be in there in a minute to soap y'all up myself. You earned it. As for you, little missy, you just gonna sit all tied up on this chair here we conveniently had in the middle of where we keep the horses. I can't hear y'all gagged up like this. Hold on. I said you're no good scoundrel and a son of a gun, you f***ing You what? You're not very masculine at all, are you? Can't even grow a proper mustache, can you? It doesn't fill out. It's genetic. My boyfriend has a mustache. A full mustache. And when we get married, I'm gonna pretend it's my horse. What does that... Oh, come on. Gross. Mm -hmm. I'm regretting this already. You're the one obsessed with her. Get in the shower, Sundance. If you're trying to win my heart, you've got to try a lot harder, masculine. Oh, I haven't even begun to try. After your little boyfriend comes out here looking for you and I gun him down, you and I are going to be spending a lot of time together. I'm going to know the ins and outs of your childhood. No. You're going to know my biggest fears and regrets. No, don't say these things. And sooner or later, we're going to have ourselves a little inside joke that only the two of us will understand. Why are you saying such horrid things? Masculine, let's go. I need soap on these ankles. I'll be seeing you later. Masculine Cassidy disrobes as he heads towards the bandit's shower house, leaving Sylvia to wallow. By now, Michael and Roger were on the outskirts of Pequeño Pueblo by the large oak tree Michael had passed earlier that day. Well, here she is. Michael looks up into the tree, adjusting his glasses, but still unable to see a thing in the pitch dark. Uh, Mrs. Mavish, you up there? Roger picks up a rock from the ground and hurls it into the tree dislodging the raggedy skeleton of Mrs. Mavish from the branches her corpse had been cradled in. Oh my god, she's dead! We haven't had a sheriff in a while. Well, that's the last thing on the list. I suppose we better head on out to- Sheriff, you gotta come quick! What is it, Elliot? I was talking to the sheriff. Sheriff, you gotta come quick. There's a big commotion in town. Fine. Let's go see what it's about. Michael and Roger race back to town. That's fine. You go on ahead. I'll catch up. They make their way through the streets, now devoid of any remnants of the festivities, 
to see a quarrel between the two townsfolk out in front of the butcher shop. Oh, I'll see how it is. But they're mine. You know they're I mine. Know they're you not. just took nope. them. Nope. I just nope. wanted to show them nope. to you, and you just took nope. them. Oh, no. Not these two. You know what this is already? Mary, Beth, and Francis nope. argue all the time. Nope. This shouldn't be nothing. Hey, you too. Look them like I, I was giving nope. them to hey. you or something. Nope. God, Roger, you can't shoot a gun off like that. Sure I can. That's what the trigger's for. Stop that. It's late. People are probably sleeping. With all this shooting, you fancy us some sound sleepers, fella. Look, Francis, Mary Beth, we can't have you two out here shouting like this. What's all this about? Sheriff, thank the Lord. This winch is trying to steal my socks. They're mine. You stole them from me first. I didn't steal them. You gave them to me. To look at, not keep. Oh, all right, all right. Come on. We got way bigger things to deal with. This is not a big deal. Can you just give Mary Beth back her socks? I am Mary Beth. What? Isn't that a woman's name? Says who? Mister, you got a lot to learn about gender. You're part of the problem. Uh, okay, I don't care who's who. Just give back the socks. Fine, take them. They don't even fit me. It's like they're made for hooves. I have tiny foot syndrome. That's why I was showing them to you. Okay, are we done here? Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Good. Now, get on home. <sighs> All right. Now can we go get Sylvia so I can leave? Sheriff, I told you I'd catch up. Come quick. There's a big commotion. Oh, God. <coughs> catch your breath, Elliot. It's your Y-O-U-R. That's what I said. No, it was Elliot, just say what you came to say. There is a big commotion on the other side of town. You gotta get over there. What about Sylvia? Your future wife can wait. We... No, I just want to go home. Well, well, we gotta take care of a town first. Then we can go take care of those bandits. But you said we had to do things in order. That doesn't sound like something I'd say. Ah, come on. Yeah, you'll find it. I'll just catch up again. Michael and Roger weave their way through the darkened streets. The echoes of shouts, the only thing guiding their way. You just took them. What? Is that Mary Beth and Francis again? (laughs) How did they get over here so fast? They find a way. I told you, they argue all the time. You can't avoid it. When you hand something over, you're giving away possession. Not if it's just to look at. Yes, it is. I lost a daughter that way. Guys, what is this about now? Sheriff, thank the Lord. This winch is trying to steal my socks. They're mine. You stole them from me first. I didn't steal them. You gave them to me. Hold on, hold on. Is it the same argument too? What part of they argue all the time don't you get? Yeah, it's the same one. It's not your job to question it. It's your job to stop it. I hope your daughter ended up in a suckless family. You take that back! Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hey, hey, hey! Hey, quit it. Quit it 
we just went through this. Give Mary Beth the socks back. He's Mary Beth. Whoever, just give them back. Fine, but don't fit anyway. It's like they're, they're made, made for, for hooves. You said that last time. Okay, so can we go now? Sheriff, there's... <coughs> you gotta work on your cardio. How about... How about... How about I work on your... How about I work on your wife? Uh, no, no. Don't do that. That's what I thought. Jesus, Elliot, just say it. You gotta... Come quick. There's a big commotion on the other... Hold on. Is it going to be these two yelling again? Mary Beth and Francis? Yeah. About socks? Yep. Mary Beth, give Francis her socks back when you get over there. Fine. They don't fit me anyway. Come on, Francis. Let's get over there. Get this done with. I keep saying they're just to look at. I know. I know. Looks like you've done it, Sheriff. The town's at peace and we can go save the love of your life. Seven hours I've known she's existed and I barely talked to her. And and how are we supposed to rescue her? Do you even know where the hideout is? No, that was established early in the first act. But we know it's somewhere in Rock Bottom Peak. I'm sure we can find it if we look real hard. Fine, we'll have to just search the whole place until we find it. We'll need more people. Two of us isn't enough. Not a problem. Ah, hey! What's that racket out here? Listen up, y'all. Sheriff Mike was finally getting around to rescuing our Sylvia. Come on, that's that's not true. But, but, right now, we're gonna need everyone's help scouring around Rock Bottom Peak for that them there bandit hideout of theirs them there got tonight. Sheriff's gonna deputize you lot. No, no assistant deputies, you lot. I'm above y'all still. You will be the assistant deputies for the night. Okay, I didn't agree to any of this. Maybe if we just pick out uh, the best few? Hey, no one's better than anyone else in our classless society, especially the bourgeoisie. We as a community have been called upon to do our duty to each other and rescue one of our own who has been taken from the motherland. An atrocity on one of us is an atrocity on all of us. Our struggle to emancipate the working class ends tonight. Oh man, uh, I don't want any part of that. You guys do you, and I'll You just... can't turn against us now, Comrade Michael. Not when victory is so near. Look, I'm not a communist. I don't want to be sheriff. I just want to go home and stomp grapes. Those bandits are the grapes, and our spirits are your foot. And together, we'll make the great droops of freedom we've only dreamt of. God, this is going to be too much. I, I can't. I... Ooh, hey, what? Then we'll tie you up and take you with us. No man left behind. Good last one, Comrade Nathan. A pleasure, partner. Mount up! <laughs> for together we ride for the motherland. The good townspeople and Michael, slung over Roger's saddle, rode out north of town to track down the bandits in their rock bottom peak hideout. Torches lit up the canyon walls, bobbing and flickering in the night 
as the mob scoured every nook and cranny for signs of the wild and wacky bunch. This way! Nearly daybreak, the pequeño Puebloans see the wooden walls enclosing a dimly lit cave up ahead. It's gotta be them! That's it! That's the wild and wacky bunch's Saturday morning funhouse! Let's get up there, quick! The thunder of the stampede rattles masculine Cassidy and his squeaky clean crew awake in the early hours before dawn. What's all this about? Is that him? Kane's and Rebecca? That the sheriff? Sure is. Rightly guessed. What's this? Did he bring the whole town with him? Sure did. No! Don't you spit too! I told you two to stop doing that here. I don't know what to do with it now. Swallow. They have their sheriff tied up. Looks like they came here to surrender and beg us to come back. <laughs> you lot wait here. So what's the plan, Michael? There is no plan, Roger. I don't want to be here. Just leave me alone. That's a good plan. All right, everyone. We're going to leave Michael to watch over the horses while the rest of us bum-rush the bandits. It's not what I said. At Roger's direction of Michael's direction, the townspeople gathered up and marched towards the bandits' base where masculine Cassidy had appeared outside to meet them. So, Pequeño Pueblo, it seems you've come for a little chat. You must be desperate if you came all the way this way to find... (laughs) With that shot to masculine Cassidy's heart, Roger gives the signal to attack. And the pequeño Puebloans charge the bandits' base. Years of built-up rage spewing out in barbaric aggression. As the bandits' numbers dwindle, the last remaining few beg for their lives. Foolishly. Nathan finds the Sundance Kid. No, no. Hiding behind a giant creaky hinge and drags him outside. Well, well, well. The Sundance Kid. Someone go get the sheriff. You're a wicked man, Sundance. Letting your friends ruin a perfectly good children's recital like that. Any more of your friends hiding out around here? Hey, if I was in the outhouse again. Hey, what's the big idea? I'm AFI and I'm full of crap. Rosebud. Was he a vampire all along? That's why he was shitting upside down. Anyone else? Good. Put me down. What's going on? On time. Is this? Why did you bring me here? Well, Michael, seemed only right that this should end up a duel at high noon. And seeing how Cassidy's dead, Sundance here will have to do. I don't want to duel anyone, and it's like four in the morning. Then we'll all have to use our imaginations. You got your gun, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Good. You get that pretty boy ready. Sundance, on your feet. Sundance gets on his feet slobbering like a bloodhound. He looks around at the carnage, his friends now limp blobs and glistening pools of blood. 
I didn't want this. <laughs> Me neither. Nobody did. Now stand back to back, you two. Michael and Sundance take their positions back to back, surrounded by the townspeople who survived, egging them on. I don't have a gun. Here, take mine. It's empty. Now take your paces, ten each. Michael pushes his glasses back up his nose, heart racing. He gives his mustache a quick pinch. You can do it, Michael. Shoot him for the children. Michael's eyes widen. Step eight, nine, ten. Turn and fire! Will someone just shoot someone? I, I can't. I can't either. Oh, full of love. Roger pulls Michael's trigger for him, a noble act of solidarity, and hits Sundance in the stomach, sending him collapsing to the ground. Sundance, clutching his gut and coughing up blood, <coughs> feels around his coat pocket, the light beginning to fade. You did it, Michael. You saved me and wiped these bandits off the face of the earth. Sundance pulls a single bullet from his breast pocket and slides it into a chamber of his revolver. Look, you people are insane. I can't stay another minute. I'm just going to take my horse and take off. Sundance rolls over and fires. Ah, ah, my, my knee. He shot me. Ah. <laughs> well, now, that's why you don't get into those in the first place, isn't it? I didn't want to. Don't worry, Sheriff. I'll finish this and off for you. Assistant Deputy Star with this here hammer. Ah. Oh, oh, God. Ah. Oh, ah. You're, you're a monster. Now, now. It's a good closure for all of us. That should do the trick. How's that knee of yours? Oh, horrible. I can't walk. I'll never be able to go home and have my family's business. Well, sounds to me like you got no reason to leave us then. Yeah. Yeah. You can stay forever and be our sheriff now. And we can get married and have tons of children until I die giving birth, as is the times. And then you can figure out how to raise them all on your own. No, I don't want any of this. Well, Michael, you saved us again. 40% of the town may be dead because of your plan. Your plan? But we got our Sylvia back. We broke the chains of our oppression. You've proven to all of us that communism truly can work if we all act like it does. It wasn't like... Hop on up here, Michael. Let's get you back to town and all fixed up. And the rest of us, let's start making our town handicap accessible, even though the Disabilities Act is over a hundred years away. And so, our hero, his fiance, and the good folks of Pequeño Pueblo returned home victorious in their eyes, having learned the true meaning of community and the power of standing up to injustice together. End Chapter 2 Huh, where's that pan? 
Tired of cluttered pots and pans in your cabinets? What is happening? Honey? Teresa? Gregory, what's happening? I don't know. The pots and pans, they keep pouring out. Gregory, where are these coming from? Teresa, they're burying me. Nine one one. What's your emergency? Hello, my husband. He's buried under all these pots and pans. I don't know where they came from. They just started pouring out from the cabinets. There's not even enough space for all of them. Ma'am, calm down. I need to ask. Do you have Doctor Pots and Pans Pots and Pans organizer? What? What? I I no no I don't. Mm-hmm. I'm not surprised. Dr. Pots and Pans Pots and Pans Organizer is a revolutionary way to organize your pots and pans. Just like the Mexican Revolution, where Francisco Madero organized the labor force after Porfirio Diaz won the rigged 1910 presidential election, organize your own revolt of stovetop cookware to send that kitchen clutter into exile. No more living in fear of oppression from 31 years of messy cabinet regimes with Dr. Pots and Pans Pots and Pans Organizer. Available in stores near me. I don't think he's moving. Are you sending an ambulance? No. Dr. Raymond Pants Books on Tape on Demand is a part of the Trident Network. To learn more about our videos, live shows, and other podcasts, please visit thetridentnetwork.com.